you are listening to Kubernetes Bytes, a podcast bringing you the latest from the world of cloud-native data management. My name is Ryan Walner, and I'm joined by Bob and Shaw, coming to you from Boston, Massachusetts. We'll be sharing our thoughts on recent cloud-native news and talking to industry experts about their experiences and challenges managing the wealth of data in today's cloud-native ecosystem. All right. Welcome to Kubernetes Bytes. You're our return um, guest, which is great, but you're live here with us in the flesh uh, at DevOps Days Boston. So please give us a little intro and our audience a little intro who you are. Hi. It's uh, great to be back on, guys. My name is Michael O'Leary, and I'm a solution architect at F5. Very nice. So this is day two of DevOps Days Boston. Give us your impressions of kind of what you've been doing here, what the event's like. Have you been to others before this year's? Sure, yeah. Um, you know, I always love this event because it's Boston-based. Yeah. And, uh, and the event organizers do a great job of supporting the community in their personal lives. You know, I know a lot of these guys. And uh, F5 has sponsored this event in the past. And uh, this year we held a happy hour in conjunction with another um, sponsor, Logs.io on the first evening of the event. So it's nice to be here as part of my, my day job at F5, but it's also nice to be here as a community member and someone who gets fairly involved in, in meetups and communities in Boston. Absolutely. So um, what kind of conversations have you been having? Do you, uh, has anything been resonating or has there any themes that kind of people are talking with? I know we were talking earlier with a couple guests about we've definitely seen a, an observability theme in the in the talks and stuff like that so i'm curious about your take there you stole my trend <laughs> we did some other guests did <laughs> oh, okay yeah i was gonna i was actually gonna say that i have seen a lot of observability but i'm never sure if it's a trend or if it's things that you know maybe i'm just noticing because i've been working a bit in observability or or have found that interesting um so observability there was uh, one or two vendors that i that i thought were really interesting it's nice to see startups, uh, especially when they're Boston-based. Uh, there's a couple sure. of startups that have, have been really fun to talk to. Um, and then a couple of uh, organizations that I cross paths with in a professional sense uh, mm -hmm. through my work at F5. It's, it's always nice to talk to those as well. One of them, of course, being Dell. Yeah, that's right. Um, it, it's always fun to be here. I know we've been sponsoring this for quite some time, but um, yeah, it's it's. I think for me, it's the it's those open spaces. It's the community that you get to interact with in a very different way than many other conferences, right? If you've been to KubeCons, right? There's no necessarily, there's no unconference, there's no open space yeah. at those, uh, maybe in some of the day one events or, or um, the prior events, but um, you get a whole different type of interaction with the community that you don't normally get when it's just you're attending a track, you're attending a talk. Even if you wanted to go talk to that person, you know, a lot of the rooms are bigger. There's a lot of you know, larger crowds a lot of times. It's hard to get in contact with that person. Um, whereas here, it's kind of everybody gets on the same playing field to a certain degree and you kind of um, only get what you put into it. And hopefully you get more, um, you know, you put in more than what you get out of it because then that means everybody else is getting a lot of out of it. And I know Paul, um, uh, Bruce, who, you know, helps organize it, really believes in that, you know, putting a lot into it from the community members. So how, did you go to any of the open spaces or anything like that? You know, I miss the open spaces yeah. because I, I was too busy meeting new friends and, <laughs> and chatting to old ones. Uh, but the hallway I, track is also just yeah. as important. So. The hallway track sucks <laughs> you in sometimes. But, um, you know, to your point about uh, putting into the community, I totally agree. Yeah. For me, 
As you know, and I've mentioned in the past on this podcast, I host the Boston Kubernetes Meetup. Yep. So one of the things I've been able to do is talk to a lot of people and offer them the ability to, to come along and present or just attend the Boston Kubernetes Meetup. And it's always interesting to talk to people that work in Kubernetes or areas adjacent to Kubernetes. Uh, so being a Boston-based conference and being that it's a little smaller than some conferences, you're, you're very likely to meet people that live and work in the Boston area, and that's, that's kind of nice, um, as well as potentially recruiting. So yep. in, in my case, um, I'm always looking for bright engineers that I'd love to have work beside me. And uh, F5 has a couple of open positions, so I've been talking to people about getting in an F5, whether you're a senior person or you know a junior entry-level type person. Are those local or also remote positions? Oh, great question. <laughs> I, I brought the descriptions with me. Um, <laughs> we have both a field and remote positions okay. and sort of hybrid and, and positions based in uh, offices. We are based out of Seattle, okay. um, but we do have positions based around the country. So if I'm you are sure listening... I always just assumed that you were like you were at five and you said no, no, Boston. Boston. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I wish. Um, and then you know there's a couple of other just sort of side conversations that I had that I found really interesting. One member here was uh, working on an open source project for a sort of um, management of, um, uh, of data, and I'm going to do a terrible job if I try and explain <laughs> what he's doing. But he is. Um, has a has a project that he would like to evangelize. You know, it's not part of CNCF. It's not a well-known project. So that was fascinating for me to talk to someone who's sort of at the ground level yep. of these sort of uh, projects. Um, and then I, I just have so much respect for these young startup um, uh, founders. So every time I get to talk to one of those guys, I'm, I'm really impressed. Yeah, it definitely takes a different uh, breed to uh, start a company and really live and breathe it li- like constantly, 24-7, right? Yeah. Um, you mentioned the meetup. I think you had an event last week, right? Sort of a warm-up to DevOps Days Boston to, yeah, to a certain so. degree. Yeah, let yeah. me think. So there's a lot of community events happening. Of course, KubeCon, the yep. uh, sort of annual Kubernetes conference, which I'm not going to be at this year, but I think you guys will be there. Yep. Um, so that's that's next month. And then we have the Boston Kubernetes Meetup. If you want to check out meetup.com, and it's the Boston Kubernetes Meetup come along. We, we meet every two months. We met last week and we'll probably meet in December. Um, that's a fantastic meetup. We meet in Google's office in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And then uh, the Boston CNCF community chapter yep. is also led by me. Now that's went a little bit dormant over the COVID pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, but it's come back to life and I'm not really looking to lead that long term, but I did want to help get that back to life. So if anyone is listening and you're in the Boston area or even in the greater New England area, you want to be involved in community events, you've got the Boston Kubernetes meetup or the Boston CNCF chapter, or of course the Boston DevOps group, the members of which are are also organizing this conference. Exactly. Um, Boston CNCF chapter. What does that mean? Like what, what are the activities that are sort of the responsibilities of that chapter. Well, like, what does it mean to get involved there? Yeah, sure. So some cities have um, more active chapters than others, but there is community groups of the CNCF. And so the CNCF is a little bit more governed centrally, you might say, than, say, Wild West um, meetup groups where anyone can go to meetup.com and create their own meetup group. So the CNCF uh, groups are uh, have a couple of guidelines, right? One of them is that vendor pitches should not really be allowed. Yep, sure. I don't think yeah. a single vendor. Um, and then in an ideal scenario, you would have enough people in your community to be able to hold 
sort of a mini KubeCon. Mm -hmm. They call them uh, right. KC, uh, KCDs, KCDs yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kubernetes Community Days. So I'd like to plan one for the Boston area. Uh, and if you'd like to be involved and you're listening, please reach out. Yeah, yeah absolutely. and I like the CNCF chapter, right? Because it's not just focused on Kubernetes. Since it's CNCF, it's everything under that complex landscape that we all love and hate. <laughs> love and hate. <laughs> I like how you phrase it that way. <laughs> Speaking of Kubernetes then, uh, let's dive a little into like what's going on in F5. Anything new to talk about in the Kubernetes uh, world or love or hate? Yeah, I uh, love or hate. <laughs> uh, I am always excited to talk about Kubernetes and F5. Uh, we do have a, a couple of new um, offerings. I am really excited about our cloud product. We call it F5 Distributed Cloud. Okay. It allows you to run uh, multiple sites, Kubernetes uh, at multiple sites and manage them by a centralized uh, platform. And uh, even, even today, I was talking to a customer about updates to container ingress services, which okay. is an integration that allows you to uh, take our flagship product, F5 Big IP, yep. and integrate with Kubernetes clusters. And there's, there's many enterprise-level features and edge cases that that product will, uh, will serve for sort of large multinational customers. So let's, uh, let's leave it there, because if you start me talking on... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, won't, we won't get you going. I do want to touch on the fact that, you know, one of those things that you just talked about really is about managing multiple clusters. I think we're definitely seeing this this hybrid story, this multi-cluster story, something we've been talking about for quite a while now. Yeah. I feel like years, years now, right? But I feel like more people are actually starting to do that type of architecture in reality with real workloads. Um, and I don't know if this means uh, or signifies sort of the maturity level of where people are in the Kubernetes you know, journey or architecture, um, but I'd love your your take on that, and maybe you've interacted with customers in that regard. Yeah, of course I have, uh, and F5's take is obviously along the same lines as mine. Uh, customers are absolutely asking for multi-cloud and multi-cluster solutions. So we have one, but there are other others as well. And I've had our competitors and our sort of peers present at the Boston Kubernetes Meetup, yep. and definitely open. Um, uh, I would say multi-cloud, multi-cluster would be sort of my four words if I was going to summarize um, the themes from the last couple of meetups we've had. Um, it involves the intersection of uh, you need to know networking, you need to know Kubernetes, you need to know security, you need to know sort of SaaS consumption models, uh, and then multiple clouds. Um, I've heard the term meta-cloud or Ooh. cloud above the clouds or abstraction of clouds. I'll use whatever term you like, but I, I would say multi-cloud, multi-cluster is yeah. a huge theme. Yeah. I think we need to get Michael in like an official F5 capacity. We are always talking to him about community. I think that's, we need to talk about F5 as well, Michael. <laughs> only if he wants to. Yeah, only, only. <laughs> you know, of course I will, but I'm telling you, this, this will go for an hour and a half. Yeah, well, it's, I think it's top of mind for us because, you know, we just had uh, Maduri from Alatl. Yeah. Uh, we had Avisha on there. And these are all, you know, companies that are kind of tackling this world. And I think they're also taking a, a different um, sort of view on what we traditionally have been saying, multi-cloud, multi-cluster is like, okay, I'm using multiples, but a lot of these companies are developing solutions that really make multiple clusters look like one. Yeah, a virtual cluster is a one word that I've, I've heard. Yeah. Absolutely. So a workload spread across multiple clusters. You mentioned Avisha. I missed the, the first one, but there, there are other companies that do similar things. Yeah. Uh, the way they differ is really interesting too, because you're always integrating, right? Every large company has adjacent technologies that you're integrating with. So 
um, you know, I have to take my hat off to the guys at F5 because they saw this coming years ago and it took me years to get my head around, you know, this concept. Now that I'm sort of catching up, I think, wow, that whoever sort of built these technologies years ago, I'm, I'm really impressed. But yes, they um, it it's, can be thought of as, I guess, one logical cluster or one gotcha. virtual cluster. And, and then, you know, we go down a rabbit hole from there. But I guess uh, the idea of abstracting and thinking about what really matters is your business value from your application. We don't yeah. want to be too involved with the plumbing underneath. Okay, yeah. so like that's definitely what the vendors are talking about, right? F5 and uh, Visha, those guys. But since you're involved so much in the community, do you see that those are actual challenges or this this is just vendor talk then eventually customers will, will be thinking about the same things? Yeah, that's great. And, you know, to call, uh, you know, let's be real, is it just vendor talk? Yeah. Um, the, the most insight I get is actually from customers because in community conversations, it's hard to get really deep. Whereas yeah. customers I do, it's absolutely a trend. So the average customer, you know, I was talking to one yesterday who had clusters in AKS and then on-prem he has OpenShift and then another one you know the day before who might be in you know AKS and also in GKE so there's usually a, a mix of both cloud and on-prem there's always a security component to it and existing skills is, is a really huge issue and then there's business problems do I already have vendor relationships so a, a lot of complex problems to solve okay. at once I, I, absolutely I think it's a hybrid messy world and it's going to stay that way indefinitely yeah, and I, I I feel like I've seen and heard a lot of the same things in the community where um, people want choice, whether that's teams or companies, right? I, I feel like companies are trying to make sure that their uh, their teams can be flexible in the sense that you have a particular larger company or smaller company, you might have a smaller team in within that company that wants to use AKS or OpenShift or that kind of thing. Well, they want to be able to use those tools because they're familiar, they can move faster, they can innovate faster, but they also want this connectivity piece, right? Um, and I, I like I like this sort of viewpoint that we're going to as a community to say, um, hey, we're not trying to force people down one particular road, especially with a lot of the sort of VMs uh, and on Kubernetes and, or OpenShift these days are like, it's going to be a, a mixed world down the road. A so mixed world yeah. is a great, yeah. So the F5, I'm going to keep talking back to F5 because <laughs> you, go you for keep it. setting yeah. me these perfect <laughs> traps. Um, so we have this state of application services report that comes out every year. And in 2023, uh, the overriding theme was there is this hybrid world we're living in and we think it's going to be hybrid indefinitely. So that means hybrid cloud and also hybrid technology. So mix of traditional workloads on VMs and, and bare metal and of course in Kubernetes. So if you can marry all of those together and then you don't want to force customers down a particular path like you were saying, so bring your own cluster or bring your own X yep. is often a, a theme. So if you can have a solution that will uh, adapt to existing technologies, allow people to integrate to their chosen platform as well as offering a platform, as well as doing things like offering in a SaaS or on-prem, you, you've got a, a multiple dimensions that you have to be hybrid along. Yeah, I, and this might be a tangent, but I think, you know, this the, the current economic state, right, that we're in, in terms of how companies are thinking about their future, I think probably, I don't know about you, plays a big role here where, you know, they can move maybe faster by spending a little more money in cloud and really kind of unblocking people. But at the same time, they want to be able to pull those reins and say, well, you know, let's, let's, let's cut or let's go back on prem or or be able to kind of do both right i mean it's a guess it's a it's a it's a hypothesis yeah. right in the sense that i feel like our current climate and the way people are kind of organizations are looking at the outlook instead of making them think about those 
architecture uh, is more too. Absolutely. So I, I'll refer again to the State of Application Services report from F5. One of the questions we ask our customers, and these are large, large customers, are um, how many workloads are repatriated, meaning yeah. they came back from the cloud to on-prem. And I think the number was around 30% okay. Okay. last year, and that had, that had grown. And so th there's some workloads that, as we know, will always stay on-prem, but also other workloads that are just not suitable for cloud. So there is uh, a hybrid um, mentality of, of having workloads that might, it's a delicate balance. You want to, on one hand, have a lot of agility for your developers, and on another hand, you want an enterprise-wide security standard, and you want to enforce that. And how do you do that? It's obviously a delicate balance, but yeah. ideally you want to offer customers solutions that you can integrate with or fully adopt, and you have, you have multiple sort of consumption models, if you will. Yeah, I think we, I need to definitely look up that report, and maybe we can add it in our show notes as well when this goes live. It, it might be in the in the last. Uh, we'll have to go look. I don't know if you've mentioned it last time you're on, but that's a good uh, segue to uh, say, um, you know, thank you for coming on the on the show again here live. Um, is there anywhere people can go find more? I know you've mentioned a lot of things so far. So Kubernetes, Boston meetup. You have CNCF chapter. Uh, you have the. The, the, the report. Anything else I'm missing here? You know, I think that's probably it. You can find me. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on LinkedIn um, and uh, the Boston Kubernetes Meetup. Yeah. It's easy to find on Meetup.com, or you can Google it. You can reach out that way. It's probably the easiest. Great. Thank you again. Thanks, guys. We'll be right back after this short break. You've worked hard for what you have: your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. And we are back. All right, welcome to Kubernetes Bytes. We're live here at DevOps Days Boston. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself and what you do? Yeah, so hello, thank you for having me. I am Yvette Akarapi. Uh, I work at Intel and I focus on our security products. Very cool. So what brings you to DevOps Days Boston? Is this your uh, first time here? It is my first time here. Okay, so yeah. what, how has it been for you so far? What are you getting out of it? It's been great. It's been very good. I really like the topics that they talked, especially because I'm a have a security focus. Mm -hmm. So we talked about security, CI, CD, mm -hmm. some of those challenges, uh, some of those struggles that are going through uh, in the community at work, right? Uh, and then also some good resources, some like of the white pages that is going to tell us about about sure. NIST zero architecture. Uh, and now I just came out of the session of least privilege okay. uh, in AI. So it's been good. Tell us more. We were not attendance, in attendance for that talk. So tell us more a little bit about that talk and what you got out of it. Yeah. So for the least privilege, um, talked a little bit about some of the controls, how it could be a human problem. Um, but then, you know, if you want to not have any of that data access, you just unplug it. It was kind of the... Like you're not going to be able to do much with yeah. that data. So um, I was interested because I focus with confidential computing. Mm -hmm. And uh, at Intel, that that's kind of where it works, right? It's like given some of those hardware controls yep. uh, at the application virtual machine level 
to um, when they're migrating to the cloud or being able to do multi-party collaborations. Okay. You mentioned uh, confidential computing. Yes. Explain that a little bit. I'm unfamiliar with the term. Yeah. So uh, Intel actually is one of the founding members for Confidential Computing Consortium. Okay. And what we kind of started doing some of that is um, bringing more awareness into like, all right, how are we going to be able to have more secure solutions uh, for our customers? And they were hardware solutions. They're using the hardware that are providing trusted execution environments that is isolating it at the processor level, mm -hmm. but only the application is using it. Uh, so, you know, when we talk about like all these different ways that we can actually limit the access, but also not restrictive because we want to be able to do a lot more with that data. Uh, this is allowing you to do that as you're migrating to the cloud, especially some people that don't want to give control to their data when they're going to the cloud. Yep. Uh, and is you can still keep your data, you can still own your data, and you can still collaborate. That, that's awesome, right? Like, so I, I want to learn more about it, right? So how does, like, does it expose binaries or libraries into Docker, like into ContainerD or into Kubernetes? Or how does, how do developers actually make use of that feature, right? That's built at the chip level. I am so glad that you asked that. <laughs> <laughs> I am. We get that question so much, right? Yeah. And it all depends on what is it that you're trying to protect and yeah. where does it live? But we facilitated that access recently because we announced uh, Intel Developer Cloud. Okay. okay. Design for developers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's exactly what we're trying to do. In it, we have um, the uh, TDX, which is uh, isolating the virtual machine okay. that developers can go and access and be able to test it. So before it's even like in some environments, you can access in, in the Intel cloud. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of our capabilities with AI as well. Uh, if they want to start testing, they want to start exploring, that's what it's for. That's why it's called Intel Developer Cloud. Okay, that's awesome. So uh, it, you said it's pretty brand new, maybe announced over the last couple of months. Yeah. Okay, do you see adoption already? Or was this something because in, built because you had a lot of requests from developers who were trying to solve a specific challenge? Yes, yes. I think a lot of developers were like, all right, I have to figure out where this, may, this might be available. Mm -hmm. How can I bring all this together? Uh, so we brought the cloud to say, okay, let's enable developers so they don't have to go through all these different rounds. They can get access and sometimes even early access. So, okay. Um, you can get early access to start exploring and um, getting engaged. And now that those capabilities are built in, uh, so much in security and AI. <clears throat> so, um, you know, you mentioned AI, the magic word that yes, we hear right. everywhere. It's so exciting. <laughs> We're going to solve all your problems, as we heard several times. Yeah. <laughs> so I would love to hear your opinions on sort of, since you have security background, um, what are the sort of top things that, you know, concerns and or kind of things we need to be sort of looking forward to in the security space from Intel's perspective on AI in general? Yeah. So, um I think, you know, when we're looking into automation, mm -hmm. right, we're looking into a lot of data growing. Uh -huh. uh, we want, now we're collaborating in so many different other sectors, but it's also how we're using those tools. Who is using it? How are they going to be getting implemented for what? I think um, w with the security focus that I have, I look at security with that AI and like, okay, this is just getting so much bigger. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then you automate and make it much faster. It's like, oh, but what metrics, standards, best practices, and community awareness do we have to make all those different phases and processes uh, to be secure, 
right? So um, working in the hardware side is like, how are those built in? What are those capabilities available for our customers that already kind of facilitate that process that are already built in, they can already use those capabilities. In some of the cases enable it, right? Like with software guard extension, uh, it needs some enablement, but it does provide isolation from the rest of the stack. Um, but then also, what are we doing to bring awareness into not only uh, inside, right, the company, but outside? Mm -hmm. uh, and communication, because vulnerabilities has been a big deal, right? It's like, okay, now we're, we got this new um, vulnerability, we got to go patch, update, and we don't have an organized, you know, way that we can actually start playing those. Um, and I think focus and security in this side, it has given me that kind of view into while we are proactive, we do need to be more proactive. Yep. Uh, and as we're implementing more of that AI, that just becomes more like bigger. Okay, gotcha. So uh, I, I I want to take a step back, right? Like AI is still brand new. Everybody's still learning about it. Especially like, I know machine learning has been around for a while. Gen AI is the new thing, new kid on the block. But uh, talking about vulnerabilities, right? And as you said, you're focused on security. Uh, let's say if I'm running confidential computing where only certain applications can be run on top of that platform or uh, that server, does that help me avoid scenarios where if I get attacked, if somebody uh, puts a ransomware attack or a malware attack, it can st allow me to stop random applications or malicious applications to run on those same servers. That way, adding that defense in depth uh, methodology to security or how does that work? Yeah. Uh, all right. So we know that right one solution or we don't have like the bulletproof solution oh, yeah. right yeah, yeah. Yep. um i think um the way uh software got extension is like independently of any of those layers that it can get exposed mm -hmm. and you know uh your bios your hypervisor uh where intel sgx actually helps is, is actually already isolated from okay. all those different areas so even if those places do get exposed or do get threat even today or you know, in the future, you don't know what threats those might be. It's like, well, that's already isolated. Nobody has access to yeah. that except the application owner. Okay. Um, in the same way with the uh, virtual machine isolation. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, we, you know, we're going to give you the, the solution for all these, you know, securities that we already know is existing, like phishing and um, malware and ransomware, right? But at isolating it, kind of like in, in COVID, right? What were we doing when yeah. that happened? Stay home. <laughs> so one one theme I think that we've seen talking with uh, various security folks in the ecosystem is this idea of shifting the responsibility left, right, is the term, uh, or more towards the developers. Um, you mentioned developer cloud before, um, but I'd love to hear your thoughts generally on, you know, how as a community or how a DevOps community we can be better about making sure we're um, aware of sort of the security aspects earlier on, whether that's in development or during build or those kind of uh, scenarios, that it's not just this tack on after the fact, I'll shove it up in production and then let our security team go, you know, figure it out how to make it better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we had a session about that yesterday. It was DexSecOps. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's really what we wanted to discuss. Like, all right, who's kind of responsible? Is it the, the developer who does this security focus? Is it like, oh, I just focus on, on developing and then pass it on to you know, the security team? Right. Is there like a best practice? Is there like a way that everybody kind of is, um, like how do we focus on this? Yeah. There was no really 
project and since it <laughs> yeah. is, right? But that's why we're here. That's yeah. why that's why we want to talk about this. Yeah. Um, uh, so I come and then, you know, to add a layer to that, you know, everybody is talking about developing and I come from the hardware world. So I add a layer to that. It's like, well, think about the hardware too, yeah. right? Yeah, that's <laughs> the fair. hardware can help you. Yeah. <laughs> when you're talking about security and you're developing, yeah. we have built-in capabilities that can help you when you're, you know, developing, but we also have software that is taking, um, is taking benefit of those capabilities. Yeah. Um, so I think it, it is definitely kind of more of that awareness of saying, okay, who, one of the things I heard in the sessions was saying, well, um, when the developers actually uh, send them to production and they don't meet certain requirements, they get flat back. Sure. So that kind of delays, right, their process. And then at the next time that they're going to be doing something like this, they are like they already take this into account. They're like, well, I, you know, security already, the security team already told me to do certain things. I'm just going to go ahead and do those because I was already kind of brought back on, yeah, on some yeah. of that. Um, so that that was good. Is is good initial um, thinking already? Like, oh, I already got some awareness on this, so I'm doing it better next time. Right. Yeah. Awareness <clears throat> is a good point because especially when you're talking about hardware features that need to be sort of uh, taken advantage uh, application teams DevOps teams platform teams whatever it may be they're they're removed from that layer so much so right we're we're a fan of abstractions in this ecosystem especially when we're talking about containers and you know all the way up from the OS and so what's the what's the mechanism I guess, uh, to make that awareness uh, sort of something that's easy to consume for the developers. Because, you know, as we shift more things left, and I've heard this not just in security, putting more and more, yep. uh, you know, responsibility on the developers. At what point are we overwhelming that side of uh, the plate? And or do we need to break those developers up into you know, various teams, and then we're just repeating the cycle all over again, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think both teams, right? I think the security team is also like, oh, like, I don't I don't want to feel like I'm blocking you. Yeah. I want you to innovate. I want you to focus on what you're doing. And the developer is like, oh, I don't want to think about security because I have so many other things I got to think about. Um, so I really like the approach. So to add to that layer is like, well, let's think about hardware, which is the place that a lot of developers, I don't want to think about it yep. nor deal with it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I really like the idea, um, you know, one of the places where Intel did the developer cloud. Yep. You know, it's like, okay, this is built for developers. So that's one way where it's like, have more developers thinking about, you don't have to deal with the cloud, but you can still have all the benefits and mm -hmm. reap all the benefits of those capabilities. And facilitating that process is already built in. <clears throat> I think another way it's um, just you know asking some of those questions like, okay, how can how can I facilitate this process? Because you don't think of hardware, sometimes you don't even ask those questions like, right. can I do this in hardware? Yep. Can I have some of those hardware controls that can actually help me in not only my security but also help me with the application that I'm doing? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that is so, and, and that's why I'm here, right? Because and the and the similar token. I don't deal with a lot of the applications development, yeah. but I, I want to learn more about it and learn like what are their struggles, what are the things that they're facing with. So that way I can become more aware of like, oh, here's some of the, what their world looks like when I'm thinking about my kind of world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think in the perspective, uh, uh, in the perspective of learning, I'd love to hear maybe an example of 
one of these, you know, hardware components or or features that a DevOps team or an application developer can be can can, can use. Can what does it look like surfaced above the hardware? Yeah. So um, a few of our customers, they have a, a lot of like different limitations. Some of them are like, okay, I want to go to the cloud, but I can't because the data is confidential and I don't want to lose yep. that, some of that access. Uh, and some of the cases is like, I have so many third parties that I need to collaborate with, but yep. I cannot collaborate with them because this data is so confidential. I don't need it to be, you know, exposed. So I need to know where it's going to be. Right. Um, so what we do is we guide them into like, all right, what is it that you, what data do you want to protect? Yep. Where does it live? Yep. And then is that, are you operating in Azure? Are you like, uh, where are you operating? So then we can give you, you know, we collaborate, we have an Azure marketplace that you can actually start testing some of these capabilities. Okay. Uh, so we give you some of those guides. Uh, and you do have there a team that can actually give you some of that recommendations on like where you can actually take. Um, some of the use cases um, where you want to go with your business needs. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So you're not your own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're not on your own. Which is that's always good. Yes. Which is always good. I feel like um, that's that's a great way to sort of uh, wrap up here because this this whole community makes you feel like you're not on your own, yep. right? Uh, being able to go to these open spaces and really kind of ask the questions from various experts from various places in the field, security or automation or whatever it may be uh it's a really valuable thing so um i know i feel like security has been something i've been on sort of a journey learning more and more about in the last few years because of everything in sort of current events that yeah. we hear all the time right the, it's not like we're putting less information out there right we yeah. have to we have to make sure that we're focusing on security so um as a way to wrap up where can people find more get in contact with you or more about some of the work that you've been doing yeah so i am very active on linkedin uh you can look me up with yvette uh i-v-e-t-t uh, and this is definitely a community work because I don't yeah. think no one, none of us have security, AI, and, and cloud figured out. <laughs> <laughs> so to, uh, I think it's definitely community into seeing what developers are doing and how we can help in, in that area. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank yeah. you. Enjoy thank the you. rest of the show. Thank you for listening to the Kubernetes Bytes podcast. 